Former Ambassador David Friedman is in Jerusalem right now as we're recording this and as Israel is at war with Hamas. And uh, Ambassador, it's a great privilege to be able to talk with you right now. Um, and we pray for your safety and your protection and your family and everybody that, that's uh, close to you. Uh, could you tell us what is going on from your perspective in Israel here? Yeah, well, I think the country went into shock about 10 days ago with the, um, you know, the most uh, barbaric uh, um, kind of almost, un, you know, inhuman assault on, on, on anyone, on the certainly the most barbaric assault on the Jewish people since the Holocaust, but not even, you know, limiting it to the Jewish people. I just, no one is, no one I know has ever seen anything like this where, mm. you know, this rampage of about 2,500 terrorists surprised the state of Israel, entered about 22 different communities and uh, committed extraordinary acts of just barbarity, um, decapitating babies, killing families, slaughtering families, forcing children to watch their parents being killed and, and vice versa, uh, rape and, and abuse of women, uh, parading women naked through the streets after being raped. I mean, it's, it's just almost, it's just almost impossible to, uh, to, to talk about it because it's so unpleasant, but it really something which has never happened to Israel before. Um, it, it certainly wasn't on the scope of the Holocaust, but it was a day in the Holocaust. It was what mm -hmm. a day in the Holocaust looked like. And of course, as a result, Israel is, um, is fighting back, and, and and this is a war, you know. In the past, with you know, Israel has, uh, I would say, tried to manage its conflict with Hamas. I mean, they're a brutal, repressive uh, terrorist group. But you know, rather than have a total, you know, full conflict, they have, uh, you know, they fought back, but ultimately tried to degrade Hamas and to, you know, kind of push them back into their hole for a few years, which they've done. But they keep coming back stronger, and this mm -hmm. was just, you know, so despicable and, and and people are so upset and so many families are destroyed and of course there's there's 200 people being held hostage and who knows what kind of abominable conditions in Gaza right now so Israel's fighting back and um, and and we have to pray that they succeed of course at the same time another uh, terrorist organization on the north you know Hezbollah which is just a proxy for Iran as is Hamas they are engaging in sort of a low intensity battle with Israel right now, but threatening to uh, expand it in a way where if it if it does fully expand, I mean, Israel will be at war on two fronts mm -hmm. and Hezbollah is a far more formidable enemy. So there's a lot going on here and a lot to be concerned about and um, and a lot to pray for. Absolutely. And we are praying for Israel and for her protection, her people's protection as well. You know, um, one of the things that that you're best known for is the fact that you are the former ambassador to Israel uh, from the United States under the Trump administration and the, the work that you did on the Abraham Accords uh, to help bring peace into this area. Um, are, are, you, are you hopeful that we will see peace uh, again with these things, uh, that these agreements that have been made, or have these agreements been, have they been just basically torn up uh, how do how does yeah. how do the abraham accords move forward at this point so i think you know to understand the abraham accords is you really need to understand that the arab world uh really um can be can be can be put into two different categories 
they're the moderates. Um, and I, and I would put in that category, all the countries that signed the Abraham Accords agreements. And then there are the extremists and the extremists primarily led by Iran with, um, satellite, um, uh, terrorist organizations like Hamas and Hezbollah. Um, all the Abraham Accords countries uh, understand the risk that Israel is going through. They understand the enemy that Israel is facing because it's mm -hmm. largely the same enemy that they face. So I don't think that any of this is going to tear up the Abraham Accords because, in fact, I think all the Abraham Accord countries, uh, if, if not publicly or certainly privately, rooting for Israel to defeat this enemy because it's, it's everybody's enemy. Mm -hmm. um, while this battle is raging, it will be um, awfully difficult to expand the Abraham Accords. You know, there's sure. been talk about adding Saudi Arabia to the discussion, but um, it's just too hard to do that because you got to understand people are getting their news from different places. And, and much of the Arab world gets their news from Al Jazeera. And Al Jazeera will, um, will put Israel in the absolutely worst possible light. They will portray Israel, even though Israel... You know, Israel was surprised by this attack. Israel had no interest in attacking uh, Hamas, and Israel had no has no territorial aspirations on the Gaza Strip. Nonetheless, as Israel fights back, the the the, um, the framing of this conflict in in a, in a news outlet like like Al Jazeera will be that this is all Israel's fault from the beginning, from the first day. Mm -hmm. This is Israel's fault, and uh, and Israel is a you know commits acts of uh, atrocities, and they they will they will take everything that Hamas has done, and they will try to frame Israel um, as being the culprit with the same accusations. And this is going through the Arab world. When that's happening, Saudi Arabia is not in a position to overcome that media force and to move closer to Israel. But having said that, um, we've been through a, a couple of these fights. In 2021, there was a there was a Hamas attack. Israel responded. Al Jazeera did its thing. And, and notwithstanding all of that, the Abraham Accords withstood all mm -hmm. of that just fine. So um, I think I think we'll be able to hold the line of where we are, but uh, we won't go any further until this is resolved. Yeah. You know, I, I just want to ask about what it's like in Jerusalem right now, because I, I've been there before and it's there's there's four quadrants of the old city, the uh, the Armenian, the Christian, the Jewish and the, the Muslim quarters. Mm -hmm. And um, it, everybody's you know the the arabs and the the jews or not not arabs in general but the uh hamas the the palestinians are at, at war how and everybody's living together in that one city yeah. how are things in jerusalem right now um i think jerusalem is one of the quieter parts of the country right now um people are on edge everybody's on edge i mean uh it doesn't take much to to start a fire here you know to start some kind of a conflagration um but it's it's it's. I think people are generally speaking um, not. Uh, they, they, I think the violence here is under control so far. Mm -hmm. Again, everything is can change on a dime. Uh, Jerusalem, the city is quiet. The tourists are almost entirely gone. Um, the um, uh, early on uh, in the battle, like on last Saturday and Sunday and Monday, uh, a lot of sirens in Jerusalem. Um, mm -hmm. Very hard for me, by the way, because I. Uh, I had my children, I had some of my children and grandchildren visiting. And I had to explain, you know, to a 12-year-old granddaughter, you know, as I rushed her into a into a bomb shelter, she was, she wants to know why why are we doing this? And I had to explain that, you know, there are there are people not far away who want to kill us. They want to kill us because we're Jewish. They've never met us. They've never met a single Jew. The God, no one in the Gaza Strip has ever met a Jew. There are no Jews in the Gaza Strip. 
Mm-hmm. You know, so people they haven't met, people they don't know, but nonetheless, they want to kill us. And they don't care if one of their rockets hits uh, any family, you know, in the neighborhood that they've met. They have nothing against personally. They just want to kill us. You know, this is a message that's not really appropriate for somebody, you know, at that age. Yeah. But that's the reality of living in Israel with in this, these times. I mean, you know, how to how to explain I had to explain it. I couldn't just rush into a shelter with sirens going off without explaining why it's a bright, bright little girl. But it's a shame. I mean, I thought that we were past this point in our history, hmm. but we're not. And, and as you as you see from looking at all the the protests along, you know, all these college campuses with one, one, one would have thought, you know, reasonably intelligent kids. Um, anti-Semitism is at a level the likes of which we haven't seen in uh, decades. Right. And that's something that that baffles me because, you know, just recently, um, you know, on, on social media, I think it was in, on Twitter or X, whatever it's called now, um, that, you know, people were, uh, I believe they were calling Elon Musk anti-Semitic and like they were just claiming that and it, you know so like that was that's a bad thing to be anti-semitic but as soon as the you know as soon as israel defends itself then those same people are blatantly anti-semitic and pro-palestinian or not even yeah. pro-palestinian pro-terrorists um and so it's the hypocrisy in this world is is really ridiculous to be able to see that and just to kind of look at it and see i can't believe this what this Orwellian world is looking like right now. Yeah. It's stunning. Look, I I I went uh, undergrad. I went to Columbia University, and then and then uh, I went to law school at NYU. And these two places over the last weeks have been so shameful. I mean, professors who have glorified the the attack. You know, uh, they've glorified it. They said this was an incredible, awesome, you know, attack by by Hamas. Um, that was at Columbia, and in 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 at NYU, the student. Bar Association put out something, you know, the first day, like before Israel even responded, um, all of this is Israel's fault. So, you know, imagine the pain on on, on the, the parents of a, you know, there are people there, there are parents now of, of, of children who've, who've died. There are parents mm-hmm. of, of, of daughters who have been, who have been sexually abused um, over and over again, by the way, I mean, by these animals, um, and then taken over into Gaza and held in hostage. And what these, I, for lack of a better word, what these idiot college students and law students are saying is that she had it coming to her because she lives in Israel. It's her fault. Can you imagine that? So, and, and the parents are, have to have to be exposed to this. I mean, they're not, they're not suffering enough already without without seeing the the insanity that has become of the world. So, um, yeah, like I mean, I have to tell you, it's it's almost you know Israel with all its problems. I mean, Jerusalem, you know. We're in a war zone here, but it's it's almost mm-hmm. easier to be here because at least we're living in a place where you know my neighbors to the right and the left, and you know, and and, and all the my, all the people I know who are politically to the right and the left and the center, at least here everybody agrees that these are barbarians who have to be defeated. I mean, at least right. we're not fighting a a a, um, a a war of communications in Israel. So while on the one hand, I, I you know, I it's it's a little bit. Uh, unnerving to be in this kind of an environment. It's at least gratifying and in, in, in somewhat, I feel somewhat secure that at least everybody here, you know, understands what's happened and, and what we have to do in response. Right. You know, uh, it's just recently in the news that um, we're, we're recording this on uh, October 17th in the afternoon. And so the uh, recently 
Israel has basically created a unity government during this wartime. And it's, I find it, I find it very interesting that, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'd love to, I'd love your insight on this, but I know like Netanyahu and I believe Benny Gantz, they've basically kind of like dropped their, their defenses against each other. And they're now, everybody's all pulling together for the same effort. Yeah. Um, do, what, what do you see with that uh, in, in the country right now? And also like, as they're moving forward, do you think they can keep this unity um, and as they're focused on this? Well, I sure hope so. I mean, look, I think the unity is is really, um, really admirable. I think the unity government was essential because um, I think the world needs to understand that whatever actions Israel takes, those actions reflect the consensus of the entire population, not just one side or the other of the coalition. So, so that's really important. And I think that um, I'm, gl I'm glad that, um, that Benny Gantz joined the government and, and he's one of the three members of the of the war committee, um, which uh, and he's and he's eminently qualified to serve in that capacity. So so that's good. Now, the, the country, as you know, had been divided politically for for months, for almost a year. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm happy to say that they're not anymore. I mean, even the soldiers, you know, who are criticizing the government and saying, you know, we might not we might not want to serve. They are, um, they're all serving. There hasn't been a single person. As a matter of fact, you know, the government called up 300,000 people, 300,000 reserves. Israel's primarily a reserve, a reservist army, right? I mean, you know, uh, the vast majority of the soldiers have done their, you know, three or four years in the army and now they're in the reserves. So they called up 300,000 reserves and uh, the largest call up in history and about 350,000 reserves showed up. I mean, people showed up that weren't even called. Wow. And, uh, and, and, you know, normally, you know, in a time of war, you know, all the flights that are leaving the country are full and the flights coming back are empty here. Mm -hmm. You know, the flights coming back are full because they're full of Israelis who are on vacation or out of the country. They're all flying back to serve their country. So, you know, this was a um, I, I refer to it sort of as a it was a never again moment. It was it was the moment, you know, when I think um, certainly the Israeli Jewish population, and I think it's true of Jews elsewhere without the world, though unfortunately not all of them. But I think where the Israelis said, you know, this is this is the time when we, this is the reason the state of Israel exists to to, to defend the Jewish people from from those who want to um, annihilate us. Mm -hmm. And uh, and look, this is the difference between 2023 and 1941. You know, there was no state of Israel during the, the days of the Holocaust, right. and that's why. Six million Jews were slaughtered. The the Israeli Defense Forces will protect the state of Israel, and they will protect the Jewish people throughout the world at this difficult time. And so, um, uh, the, the country is united like never before. Unfortunately, we paid a massive price for that unity. Yeah, that is very sad. And you know, um, I'm, I'm reminded of the historical wars that Israel has had, um, even just you know sixty seven and seventy three. Um, Israel in, I believe it was 73 actually took the Sinai Peninsula and even had the Temple Mount for a moment. Uh, but then they gave it back. Um, why do you think that they did that? And why, you know, are we reaping the, the negative consequences of giving that land back right now? So let me just uh, reorient you a little bit on the history. So 1967, the six day war is when, uh, was when the state of Israel reunified Jerusalem. Now they put right. a flag on the Temple Mount, 
and Moshe Dayan said, take it down. Uh, he didn't want to uh, have a religious war with, with the Muslim world at the time. We can debate whether that was a good idea or a bad idea. I mean, I, I, I think that, you know, right now um, uh, we got we got bigger issues to, to debate, but certainly um, Jewish people should have free and unfettered access to pray on the Temple Mountain. And I, I hope we get to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Sinai was was an exchange for peace with with Egypt, which is, you know, not a not a warm peace, but it's been important to Israel's security. Um, Thank God we're still holding biblical Israel. I mean, we're still holding yes. Judea and Samaria. You and I talked about that when we put out our movie, which seems like a million years ago, but wasn't. I know. I, yeah. I think it was just like last month. Um, uh, Israel, you know, I think biblical Israel is really Judea and Samaria. That area is in dispute, but I think Israel at this point will have has no intention of ever relinquishing it, and I hope they don't. Um, look, every time Israel leaves territory, um, it creates a vacuum that is mm-hmm. filled by terrorists. It's true in three places. In Sinai, uh, when they left Sinai, ISIS moved in. When they left Gaza in 2005, Hamas moved in. When they left, when they left Lebanon in the 1980s, Hezbollah moved in. You know, uh, the, the experiments that, they, uh, that they've tried in good faith to try to bring some, some peace to this war-torn area, the experiments they've tried to try to give you know give give up some land that they don't really need, hoping that you know they'll they'll, they'll have a quiet border with their neighbors. Um, it doesn't work. It's it, and I, you know and it doesn't work primarily. Look, I you know it, it's it's not politically correct in this day and age to you know to generalize about people. And I'm not going to generalize about you know the Palestinian people, but I'm going to tell you that a very large majority of them are taught. I'm not telling you that they're inherently bad. They're when they're born, they're perfectly fine but they are taught to hate the Jewish people mm-hmm. over and over and over again. And the United States gives money to some of these organizations like, like UNRWA, the United Nations Relief Works uh, Agency, which, you know, is kind of the educational arm in Gaza. Now, you know, in fourth grade in Gaza, they'll put on a play where half the kids dress up as terrorists and half the kids dress up as Jews and the terrorists will kill the Jews and the parents applaud. So, mm-hmm. you know, like, where are we going here? I mean, we're, we're not gonna, you know, the, these are people that are not constitutionally able to live side by side with Israel. It's heartbreaking yeah. you know, because they're human beings, but you know, th- there is this, um, you know, ongoing drumbeat of, you know, don't hurt innocent civilians. Um, and Israel should not send civilians. They should do everything they can not to hurt any civilians. But right. I understand that, you know, in these places you have, tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people that really, really hate the Jewish people, refuse to accept the existence of the state of Israel, and they want to kill us. Mm-hmm. And um, some of them are armed and some of them are not armed yet. But it's a very dangerous environment. And this is not about, you know, um, you know, no diplomat's going to come in here and, and change that reality. It just is the reality. Yeah. You know, uh, with your with your position as an ambassador, to uh, to Israel uh, under Trump, um, just I'd like to just kind of role play a little bit here because mm-hmm. um, I'm sure you don't have the uh, you you I'm not sure if you have communication with the current ambassador, uh, but what advice would you give to either the, the ambassador um, or uh, you know even to uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu? What what advice would you give? Sure, well, I should just tell you there is no ambassador right now. The last one resigned, and there hasn't been a replacement yet. So. But but uh, but the the hypothetical ambassador, when whenever he gets gets here, 
Look, I mean, look, we had we had a lot of um, we we had episodes of violence in the four years that I was ambassador. Again, nothing like this. I think the first most important thing, first of all, is the messaging. Uh, America has to message to Israel's enemies that um, America will not in any way handcuff Israel in its defense of its territory and the defense of its citizens. And um, it's got to be clear and unequivocal. Now, Biden, listen, Biden, um, you know, I, I, I've been a huge critic of his policies, and I think a lot of his policies leading up to this point got us into this mess. I think his appeasement of Iran in particular has put us in a very weak place in the world. But the last week or so, he has been, he's been strong. He strongly stood with Israel. He has, um, he's coming to Israel um, tomorrow on the, on the 18th uh, for a one-day visit, which, you know, is deeply appreciated by the Israeli people. Um, and he's moved, you know, two massive uh, aircraft uh, carriers off the coast of Israel to deter Iran and Hezbollah from entering the war. These are all good things, which I give him credit for. The question is, you know, he's meeting tomorrow as well with Jordan, with Egypt, with uh, mm. the Palestinian Authority. The Palestinian Authority, by the way, which pays stipends to terrorists to kill Jews. The more uh, a lot of these people who, um, who who raped and slaughtered families will be getting payments from the Palestinian Authority because of their extraordinarily successful, you know, atrocities. So um, he, he's meeting with all of them, and 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 and, and between them and the UN, which is you know, reflexively against Israel, they're going to try to push Israel into a premature ceasefire. Um, they're going to point to casualties of war, which every war has. And um, and I think that, um, you know, I, I hope he resists because this is not a situation where Israel has to, you know, just degrade Hamas. If Hamas survives this at all, it will be a huge victory for them. They will come back even stronger. Mm. And the message to the state of Israel is you're not allowed to defend your citizens. And it's, it's going to happen again. And so um, this is really a, you know, a pivotal point in, in Jewish history. And I hope Biden, you know, stands with Israel, not just today when it's easy because we're all suffering, but over the next few days, in the next weeks, as Israel begins to fight back. You know, I remind people, you know, I, I, I did a show um, recently with, with a, on BBC or, uh, yeah, I think it was BBC. And, uh, and you know, the, uh, the, the uh, reporter asked me about, you know, you know how important it was for Israel to stop before there were any, you know, civilian casualties. And I said to them, I said to him, you know, the only reason that you're speaking English today rather than German is because your grandparents had the courage to stand up against Adolf Hitler. Mm -hmm. and, and when they did and they defended their nation against the Nazis, they killed 400,000 German civilians. And I don't see you racking yourself with guilt about killing those civilians. I mean, nobody wants to kill civilians. But everybody needs, sometimes you have to win a war. Yeah. And um, and I think Israel will do everything it can to minimize civilian casualties. But there are going to be some. I mean, it's just not possible in that densely populated area. And of course, you take a picture of a casualty, as as, as heartbreaking as it is, you put it on a, over the, uh, over social media, over the web in a 24-7 news cycle. And all of a sudden, the pressure starts in Israel. And then Israel basically is in a position where America says, I'm sorry, you can't defend yourself anymore. So, you know, I've seen that movie before. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping we don't see it this time because, you know, it's in everybody's interest, the entire world's interest for Hamas to be eliminated. I mean, I also point out that, you know, as I was alluding to earlier, I mean, the population of Gaza is, is virulently anti-Semitic. I mean, when, when they saw pictures, because these terrorists gleefully took pictures of all the abuses they committed, they brought these pictures home and they were rewarded with candies and sweets and people declared a holiday. So 
you know, this is not, um, th this is far more nuanced than, you know, your, your typical civilian casualties. And so, and of course, these, many of these civilians embed with Hamas and provide them safe passage and a place to hide and aid and comfort. So it's really complicated, but look, at the bottom line is this, it's a war. And uh, nobody, Israel did not ask for this war. Israel did not start this war, but Israel must finish this war for its ability to survive. It's an existential risk to the state of Israel. And I would say even to the Jewish people, given all the, uh, all the anti-Semitic activity around the globe right now. Yeah. Where do you see hope right now as we're wrapping up? Where, where do you see some hope uh, in this situation? Look, I think we have a, um, I think, I think the entire world is, is really battling this, this, um, you know, and some of it, some of the battle is, is just, you know, philosophical and some of it is actually on the streets and some of it is in, in the wars, but you know, the world, the world is now getting extremely divided between the, the people who are moderates, the people who, who, who believe in the sanctity of human life, people who believe in God, people who believe in freedom and liberty and democracy, you know, that's half the world. And the other half of the world is just, frankly, you know, you know, you know, whether it's Russia, China, um, uh, uh, Iran, North Korea, uh, Hamas, Hezbollah, um, they're, they're, the threats are massive from all of them. And um, the hope is that we prevail. Um, we prevail from, from our strength, not just our strength militarily, but the strength of our ideas, the strength of our faith, the strength of our, our wisdom. And we're able to really kind of move this, you know, right now we're sort of in, you know, I would say equipoise, you know, it's like a tie, you know? And I think that, you know, we need to be stronger uh, and we, we need to be compassionate, but at the same time, we need to be brutally honest about, about how to lead a meaningful, you know, and, uh, and, and legitimate and, and honest life. And I, th I think more people need to be speaking about that. And, and frankly, uh, John, I think faith plays an important part because I think mm -hmm. faith has been kind of swept under the rug. I think nobody wants to talk about it. Um, my experience with talking to people right now, they are, they are, they are so thirsty for authentic values for the truth, for God, for, 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 for his mercy. And um, that to me is the real hope. That's the ultimate hope. Because I think it's may, it may be the only hope, but I think that's what will hopefully bring us out of this, out of this morass. Absolutely. Well, I just wanted to say that Israel, uh, charisma stands with Israel. We stand with you and we are going to continue to be praying for, for you, Ambassador, your family, your friends, all those people that are connected with you as well. Thank you for taking some time to share with us about what is going on uh, from your perspective. And uh, uh, we'll, we'll stay connected and uh, we'll be uh, making sure that you're covered in prayer for sure. John, thank you so much. God bless you. God bless all your listeners and your viewers. And uh, let's hope we talk again uh, on happier times.